Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. This month, the Delvin Cox Experience has two sponsors. My brother, Kelvin Cox, and also Mike Fowler from the Cousin Cecil Show. Make sure you check out Mike Fowler on twitch.tv slash Cousin Cecil. Also, check out his podcast, The Cousin Cecil Show, anywhere you get podcasts. I mean, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and also YouTube. And last but not least, check out Mike Fowler on Twitter at MikeFowler93. Thank you. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I am on a one-man mission to United Coastal University. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me on the podcast today, I have a special guest, a man who's been on the podcast before, uh, kind of, I don't know, like a man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> I just, I, he, he deserves no introduction because he is the man, one of my favorite creators out there. He's made things like... He's written for like shows like The Boondocks. He's written one of my favorite comic books, Philadelphia. Mr. Rodney Barnes, how you doing, brother? Doing well, brother. How you doing? Good, good. Welcome back, man. It's been a minute, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. I thought you forgot all about me. I was like, what I do to them? Why, why, why you don't want me back? What I do? <laughs> nah, I, I, I would never do that. You have consistently the most popular episode on this podcast. I appreciate that. That's, That's very kind. Definitely. As always, we start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five asks to get the ball rolling. Rodney, are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. What is your favorite song you listened to this past year? Doesn't have to be new. Favorite song I listened to? Uh, hold on one sec. This is Orlando Jones. Hold on. Hey, brother, I'm doing a podcast. Can I hit you right back? All right, man. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that happens from time to time. Uh, favorite song I listened to this year? Um, this year, the year is young. So I'm going to say uh, Insanity by Gregory Porter. Okay. Layla, featuring Layla Hathaway. Okay. I like that. Question number two. Who do you think is the most interesting character that you've written so far? Um, so far, I'm going to say the character Seesaw from the Philadelphia book. It's a good character. It's a very good character. I like that. Question number three. Out of all the talents you've worked with, it's been a lot. You literally just got a call from Orlando Jones. Yes, I did. Who is that one talent that you want to work with that you haven't worked with yet? 
Oh man, it's too many. I mean, it's so many. Um, there's so many talented folks out there. It's hard to name just one. You can name um, multiple ones. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm not going. <laughs> oh man, I mean, it's it's new school cats like like Keith Stanfield and uh, his old school brothers. Um, you know, like the Denzels and them. I was a production yeah. assistant on Pe the Pelican Brief way back when, hundred years ago. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, you're right. It's Hollywood is so cool now because there's so much diversity in it, into it. So it's it feels like it's yes. it's just you just have to pick up the little who you want to work with almost. Yes, it's yes. pretty cool. Question number four: If you can make well, you've already made Philadelphia. Besides Philadelphia, if you can come up with any comic book idea that you wanted to, what would it be? <clears throat> It'd be this one, uh, uh, Nita Hawes Nightmare Blog. It's uh, a spinoff of Philadelphia. Um, it's my, along with Philadelphia, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. So now I got some more stuff to buy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's quite all right. All right. Question number five. Give me your top five. African-American creators. And this can span any type of way you want to span it, however you want to mean it, whether it's writers, actors, musicians, just give me your top five. Well, you know, Stevie Wonder was my favorite artist way back in the day. Um, big fan of him. Christopher Priest, I'm a big fan of. Um, it was a writer who's passed now. Her name is Jay California Cooper. I loved her work. I love James Baldwin. Um, uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Um, Tanana Reeve Du, uh, horror writer. I love her work as well. Okay, that's dope. That's, that's a solid five. I try. So how's it been going, brother? You have been... And crazily, crazy busy to say the least. Yeah, man. I keep taking on more and more work. At some point, they're going to find me. It's going to be like a Dateline episode. They're going to find me here at this desk, um, gone. Uh, and the work killed me. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, I'm grateful for it, too. It's like I remember times, certainly at the beginning of my career, where I was fighting to get work, fighting to hold on to work. Um, so it's certainly great now at this point in life to be able to uh, continue to work and have the phone keep ringing. It's crazy to see your growth. Even from when I first interviewed you to now, the growth you have. When I first interviewed you, you, you were writing Falcon. <laughs> yes. A long time ago. Seems like another favorite, lifetime ago. Yeah. One of my favorite comics, as you know. Not one of your favorites. Is <laughs> <laughs> it's anything that you do like, where you grow you know, as you, um, you know, and you think you get better at it as you evolve. When you look back, all you see is the things that you didn't know, you know, back then. It's like, if it wasn't for Falcon, I probably wouldn't be doing this right now. So yeah. I'm very grateful for the opportunity and for the folks that dig it. I'm grateful that they dig it. Um, it was the beginning. But it's just for me, 
being incredibly hard on myself. You know, when you look at something, you say, oh, man, I could have done this different. I could have done that different because um, you've learned so much after you. You know, it's like being a rookie at something versus being a veteran at something. Not saying yeah. I'm a veteran, but a little more in the game now than I was back then. You might definitely be a veteran, to say the least. <laughs> I'm getting there, getting there. But to see where you're at now in terms of like, I remember when we first talked about Falcon, then you say, yeah, I'm working on something else. Then you know, that you, I can't talk about now, but it's going to come up. Then you're like, here's this Wu-Tang series. Like, what? <laughs> and then you're like, I'm working on something you may have heard of. You know, you like Magic Johnson, Devil? I'm like, yeah, I love Magic Johnson. Well, I'm working on a, sh- a Showtime series about Magic Johnson. Like, in the Lakers, I'm like, what? And now it's just kind of blown up from there where you're just working on so many different projects. It's almost like I cannot think about anything that I love and don't hear your name somewhere behind it. I appreciate that, man. Um, again, very fortunate, very grateful. Um, hope it just keeps going. So let me ask you this. How has it been working on Philadelphia so far in terms of the writing process? It seems like people love the book, for one thing. Well, uh, yes, uh, they do. I mean, um, you know, it, it's a good amount of love. And Jason and I and the rest of Team Philadelphia really appreciate that. I mean, I think it's it's great. And it's an honor, but it's like every month I just turned in the um, issue 13 for the third art. You know, it's um, the pressure to keep kind of, you know, how can you up the stakes and up the stakes? Um, you know, when I did the first issue, I kind of knew exactly what the first arc was going to be. Second issue, I knew exactly what the arc was going to be. But the third arc is so ambitious story-wise, that as a writer, I sit here and it's like, can I pull this off? Can I really? You know, will they like this? Um, you start second-guessing yourself after things go well after a while, but it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. The writing process. What is it like when you kind of get get in that groove and stuff with a book like Philadelphia? then you kind of switch gears a little bit mm-hmm. and want to go in a little different direction? How How do you manage to make that kind of work and connect those little intricate dots to make it feel natural? I mean, I think um, if you talk about going from one book to another book, um, I'm sort of used to that because of TV. You know, like every week you're working on a different story. So going from one to another, it's like uh, I went from doing Philadelphia 13 to I'm doing two books for Dynamite right now, which haven't been announced. And they're completely different tone. One is kind of like a comedy horror thing. Another one is like an action adventure thing. And then, um, you know, with my company, uh, I'm doing horror. So I'm jumping back into horror. And then I got this thing at Image with Jason, that's sci-fi. So then I'm going from that. So for me, it's all just like story. It's all just kind of, you know, at the heart of any genre, um, it's a drama anyway with, with uh, elements that kind of bleed into uh, something fantastic, you know. So uh, it's not really that far of a departure for me as long as I understand what's under the story. It all sort of, there's a sameness to it, you know, the beginning, the middle, and the end. If you know the characters and you know the world, it sort of all fits. Makes sense. So let me ask you this. How is it now working on your own stuff now that you're kind of building your own brand in terms of comic books? 
A uh, little bit of a headache only because you got to answer questions all day for things that I normally like, you know, when you certainly if you're working for the big two, um, I just turn in a script and you get your notes back and you finish, you, you know, you address your notes and um, go over your lettering pass and that kind of stuff. So a lot of the um, a lot of the other publishing type work is already done for you here. I got to talk to distributors, printers, budgets, uh, sign contracts. Um, it's just constant, constant. And then when you look at how much money is going out the door, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe. Do I really love comic books this much? <laughs> so, but again, still happy to be doing it. For those who don't know, tell everybody a little bit about the company that you're making right now and the unique spin to it. Uh, Zombie Love Studios is uh, the name of my company. Um, we're producing, hope, Lord willing, uh, three books this year. All soft, no, no floppies. We're going right to a trade, soft cover and horror cover. And um, they're all horror, mystery, supernatural themed. Uh, I'm doing one story with uh, the rapper Exhibit. Um, we kind of came up with an idea together. Uh, I'm doing another one that is uh, based on a, uh, a mental asylum, the first black mental asylum in America that's based in my hometown right outside of Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and the last one is a horror franchise, a horror property from MGM Studios that uh, I got the license to that I'm doing a modern day reboot uh, based upon my perspective of uh, who I think that character should be for today's now, world. Now that sounds interesting. Well, all three of them sound interesting. But kind of interested in who that MGM character is. You don't have to say it yet. I know. You'll know soon. You'll know <laughs> soon enough. If you follow me on uh, social media, you probably already know. But um, but yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this: How has it been doing all these projects? It seems like you're busier than ever. In these times where it's COVID-19 and a lot of things are getting shut down and production's getting shut down and everything that's going on right now, you're just right in the way. Well, that, that's actually, I won't say it's been a blessing because it's hard to call anything a blessing that so many people have suffered and hurt and lost yes. their lives to. So, you know, I won't say that. But I will say um, for a writer to have to be in sort of a self-imposed quarantine slash isolation, um, I tend to get more work done now than I was certainly before when I had to drive hour and a half into an office and an hour and a half home. You know, I basically wake up in the morning and go into my office in my house and it's, it's the sun is up when I go in there and the sun is down when I, when I leave. So I'm able to get a lot more done. That's, that's actually really cool then. If you just wake up, get to work. That's it. I ain't getting a whole lot of exercise, so there's going to be some COVID weight. And uh, unfortunately, Postmates will deliver any fantasy food that I can think of to my front door. So <laughs> it's, uh, I may not get COVID, but I may end up with heart disease. So well, hopefully you don't get that. <laughs> so, so. so what's it like for you seeing all the, the diversity that's in Hollywood in terms of like, the shows and stuff we had, like last year, we had Watchmen, we have Lovecraft Country, we have Judas and the Black Messiah movies. Like, it's so much 
diversity that we see in Hollywood that we just didn't see before. It's- oh, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm old enough to remember a time that when you saw black faces on the screen, more often than not, there weren't black people writing those stories or uh, directing those stories. So now seeing, you know, closer cultural depictions of my culture, our culture um, on the screen, certainly in the genre place is, uh, you know, that's unique and it's exciting. I mean, it's certainly um, a lot of stories that I always wanted to tell that I couldn't get off the ground. Now I have a chance, you know, the, a chance that they wouldn't have had before. So it's a blessing. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I was watching um, Soul with my son mm-hmm. and I love how unapologetically that feels like something from the past or something that we'd see growing up mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. The, the guy who loved to play music and the music, music teacher. And I just, it's just such a cool thing to see on a big screen now, even if it's not a big screen because we can't go to theaters right now, but yeah, it's yeah. Such, such a cool thing to see. Yeah. I mean, certainly the um, closest thing we had to, to music and, animation uh was fat albert you know we had to wait till the end of the show to get fat albert to play with the <laughs> junkyard band so uh <laughs> yeah. to be able to have that pixar styling and a big budget and uh great cast is uh yeah it's a it's a big deal have you ever thought about wanting to work on a project similar to that or write something like that yeah i was offered a couple over the years but you know, the commitment is so great that with all the other stuff that I do, I would sort of have to put all of that away for a period of time. And, you know, it, it's um being able to do like the Philadelphia adaptation and, you know, a couple of the horror films that I'm doing and some other things that I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I, it would be a blessing certainly to do, but I wouldn't want to give those things up that I'm doing now to do it. Yeah. I meant to ask about that since you mentioned it. What's going on with the Philadelphia ad- adaptation so far? I just turned the script in. The script was just approved. Um, working on the show Bible, and we're looking for directors right now to attach to it, and uh, it's moving right along. It seems so cool that it's getting adapted so fast. Like the book is yeah. l- literally on issue 13. It's like, now this yeah. is so good. We want to see a live action version of this. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. You know, it causes a little bit of anxiety because, um, you know, like you said, it's moving quickly. And when people ask me questions about the future, they sort of want to see it. Like, like you said, when you do Batman or any character that's got this long history, you can sort of, you know, all of the specificity and nuance to the character because they've done so many books. But, you know, by the time I finished this script, we were probably on issue 10. So, you know, a lot of the characters that would be in the show weren't even really introduced yet. Um, so it's um, it's different. I mean, sort of like The Walking Dead. You have The Walking Dead comic book and then you have The Walking Dead TV show. And they don't always, you know, Carl is still alive in the comic book, but Carl's not alive on a spoiler alert on a Walking Dead. So, you know, it's just uh, there are different worlds that tonally, I hope that, um, well, the tonally, the Philadelphia script is very, very similar to the Philadelphia comic book, but there are some things that change. Did you ever think about 
taking something like Philadelphia, some of the other things, and making it into the video game world. Had that ever crossed your mind? Yeah, I mean that. What you're talking about now is time. Um, you know, it takes a long time in the right partner to make a video game with. Um, I wouldn't eliminate that. Uh, you know, they're more like the book that I just showed you. Um, there are more entry points to the Philadelphia world, I think, in the next year or so. You'll see some of those, and I would like those characters to sort of be incorporated into a game if it ever got to that point. That's really cool. So how about this Showtime series? Mm-hmm. How is that coming along so far? Uh, where can we see our, it? All of our scripts are written. Um, we go. We start to shoot again uh, April 12th. Um, and we should be done, Lord willing, by the end of September, October, um, with hopefully a February next year start date. Um, you'll probably start to see press and stuff around the fall and winter of this year. And, you know, spring 2022, uh, showtime. Showtime's coming. That's real cool. Did, did COVID slow it down some or anything like that? Yeah, we're a year behind because of COVID. Yeah. Uh we were supposed to shoot in uh, May, I think, of last year. But, you know, when COVID hit and then, you know, we kept having these surges, um, it was certainly don't want to put anybody in danger just for the name of entertainment. So I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, because I remember we had a conversation about it. You were saying something about you were going to shoot soon for that. Yeah. Yeah. But COVID stopped all of that. Luckily, we still have the show. Because a lot of people that were like waiting to shoot, you know, they canceled those shoots. So fortunate. Very fortunate, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So you also worked on American Gods. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you in kind of terms of like the process? Uh, the process was difficult only because, you know, there was so much um, the nature of putting a show that intricate together. It's a lot of different pieces. Uh, I'd never really been a part of anything like that before, but it also sort of reinforced um, Hollywood has a way of, if you haven't done it before, you have to prove to us that you can, which makes sense. Um, I always wanted to be a genre writer and I started my career in Hollywood with uh, sitcoms. That was the beginning. And then with sitcoms, it went to drama. And then I was slowly with Marvel's Runaways starting to get into this genre space. I think American God sort of reinforced that a little bit more. So at least it was on my resume. So when I uh, started to make my own stuff in the genre space, people would give me more of a look because they saw that I had some experience with it. So again, it was a blessing in that way. I made some friendships, obviously, Orlando uh, being the closest um, and a lot of writers and producers and, and good folks at Stars. So it was a great experience all the way around. That's really cool. So let, let me ask you about this. With all these Marvel shows coming out, these Marvel movies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. why can't we get you writing us a blade? <laughs> oh, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, they already have a writer for Blade. I believe she was a writer for uh, on the Watchmen show, which was fantastic. So I look forward Very good to... Uh, I look forward to seeing what she comes up with. I forget her name. Um, and I also have a deal at HBO, so I'm part of the Warner Brothers family. So, and all the Marvel stuff is in the Disney family. So for now, 
I'm sort of on the other side, even though so, I'm not contracted by DC at the moment. So we got to get you on something like a Black Lightning movie or something like that. John Stewart, something like that. Yeah. Ah, John Stewart. I like yes. your thinking. There you go. So now since you brought it up, what's it like with this Warner Brothers deal and everything that's been going on with that? Because um, it's good. I mean, it's just one of those things where um, it's a lot of responsibility, you know, because you're making a show while you're bringing them shows while you're supervising other shows. So it's a lot of different um, hats you got to wear. But again, I remember I couldn't get a job. You know, I remember um, sweating at the end of one job, that bridge between one to the next one was uh, a lot of anxiety. So to be able to, you know, pretty much be assured that at least for the next couple of years, I got something to do is uh, it, it's, you know, again, I hate to keep saying I'm fortunate or a blessing, but I am very grateful for being in that position. I got, I got to ask this because I just thought about it right now. With you writing at Warner Brothers and everything that happened this year with them saying all the movies that were slated to come out this year are essentially going to be on HBO Max, same day as theaters, does that affect the writers in any sort of way? Um, I mean, well, it affects the writers in the sense that, you know, as far as residuals and things that you get um, from it being released in the theater, and there's, it's a different kind of money with it streaming on a streaming service than it is in a movie theater and people paying, and then it eventually coming to a streaming service. Um, so there's that. Um, and then there's also just the idea that something that was intended to be on a massive screen is now reduced to a smaller screen. Um, how it's received may be affected just by that dynamic. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, it got made. You know, Lord willing, people will enjoy it and um, they can keep moving forward. Do you think we'll, well, we some places still have, have theaters inside. Do you think we'll, by the end of 2021, get back in theaters and mostly full capacity so people can enjoy these movies uh, like that? Full capacity is hard to say. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the vaccine and whether or not we keep getting these surges. Um I think today they're letting in some places theaters have half capacity um, and, and sporting arenas and different things have, you know, 20%, 25%. I think it'll increase as far as long as, you know, the trend is going in the right direction. Excuse yeah, me. Think, as far as uh, people, you know, not getting sick. Yeah, I think that's very important. And, I, and I've always felt like movie theaters – there's nothing like the movie theater experience in terms no. of going to the theater and sitting down and watching on the big screen. And if you're in the right one and nobody's talking in the movie or kicking your chair and all of that. Yeah. So yes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> like I've Godzilla, I think comes out this month. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's this soon. month is real soon. I, the first thing I thought about that was like, yeah, I want to see that in theaters. It's just certain movies. You just have to have that blockbuster theater feel to it. Especially if you can get that IMAX, um, you know, uh, at that IMAX uh, feel, you know, that huge, huge screen that I used to dig that. But yeah, I look forward to it. So let me ask you this. What is Rodney Barnes reading right now? Oh, my God. What is Rodney Barnes reading? 
Um, Besides your old stuff, obviously. <laughs> that was the first thought that came to mind. Uh, I guess, you know, I'm reading, um, I'm reaching for what I'm reading. Uh, there's Department of Truth. Okay. Uh, there's this Walking Dead I picked up. And then, I guess for books, actual books, my friend Constantine Nazar, uh, who I work with on the movie The Green Mile, uh, they put this book out by Frank Darabont, who wrote the script for The Redemption and The Green Mile. Uh, I was Michael Clark Duncan Stand in our movie. I think I mentioned that the last time that we talked. So, you know, it's kind of sentimental for me yeah, to look definitely. back over the book again. So, what do you do for inspiration? What do you read? What do you watch? Or does it just come to you? Oh. Yeah, paying my paying my bills every month and feeding these kids. Um, that's kind of my inspiration. Um, being able to continuously work, being able to um, keep putting out product um, that I'm proud of, you know, being able to work on shows and work with people that I'm excited to work with. Um, you know, it's just a process for me. Uh, you know, I come from not a whole lot. And there was no expectation when I was a kid that this is where I would be talking to you about what I do. So, uh, you know, I, I worked at Walmart. I worked at Target. I, yeah, I'm a regular guy. So to be able to, um, to, to do what I do creatively for a living was inspiration enough. That's awesome. That's super awesome that you kind of come from humble beginnings and now you're just writing everything that many people love and enjoy. Yes, I'm very grateful. So tell me a little bit about this new project that you showed us earlier that we didn't talk about enough. Uh, the spinoff? Um, yes. It is basically one of the characters from Philadelphia. Uh, well, I guess Jimmy, I guess because, you know, he was from Baltimore. Uh, he moved to Baltimore. He was a Baltimore cop. Uh, he had a relationship when he was in Baltimore. And um, when he went to Philadelphia and never went back to Baltimore, he left some history back there with him. And um, it's tied to, uh, there was this book that I loved. It was a sequel to The Exorcist the, from the, the novel. It's called Legion by William Peter Blatty. And um, it really followed, it was more of a detective story about the demon that was in uh, Reagan that um, got into the Gemini killer, the serial killer, and he was killing folks around D.C. This is similar in a sense of it's about demons, it's about demonic possession, but it's also about, um, it's very specific to our culture and a lot of the pain that we face in the inner cities and um, kind of making a parallel between judgment in regards to what evil is. Um, you know, there's a supernatural form of evil, and then there's the type of evil that created a dynamic of desperation in the inner city that I think that plagues and fuels the violence that a lot of the stuff that we see. And, you know, paralleling the judgment between those two um, is a character that's near and dear to my heart who is sort of trying to, I won't say fix both of them, because there's a sense of urgency when it comes to the supernatural one. But uh, she's very, very concerned and focused on the other aspect, the more tangible aspect that we see every day in the real world. So 
a lot of the same type of social politics and you know tone stuff that you see in Philadelphia. You see in this book as well. I want to ask you about that. How important do you think it is to have those social politics and kind of make it relatable to our world? Is it for you in your writing? Because a lot of your writing has that into it. Even when you were writing about Falcon and stuff like that, it has that kind of feel to it. I think it's, um, you know, it's always the choice of the writer. For me, uh, I like talking about a surreal world. Again, you're talking about when I look at the way I look at genre, my favorite genre, it's a drama that all of a sudden becomes a genre story. Uh, there's something real there that I'm emotionally connected to. And then all of a sudden a ghost pops out or a zombie pops out or something. But there are familiar relationships at its core. Um, that part is important to me. It's important to me to have folks be emotionally connected to the narrative and um, to care. And, you know, I don't like when it's so agenda driven that it's no longer a story, that it feels like medicine, that is so connected to um, the problem that it may as well be just about the problem. It's not necessarily about the monster at all, um, regardless of what the subject matter is. But if there's a way that I can find a math of introducing the, uh, the social uh, issues with a, um, with a garnish and not necessarily be heavy handed about it um, so that you 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 like, oh, yeah, I, I know what that is. And um, that's important. But there's a monster coming. But there's a vampire coming. But there's this other thing coming. And it's as horrifying as it would be um, in any other movie or any other story. That's sort of what I try to, to, to hit. And I think um, uh, in virtually every story that I'm working on, um, there's an element or aspect of that in, in somewhere. Let me ask you about this, because this is something I didn't touch on earlier with you. What do you think your love for monsters and vampires and things like that came from? When I was a kid, I was an only child. And um, my mother used to take me to uh, a lot of monster movies. Um, and then when I was old enough, I would actually walk to the movie theater and go and see it myself. It was creature features that would come on like 1130 on weekends. Um, you know, there was always something that was a uh, Fangoria magazine or famous monsters magazine or some magazine or some model I was putting together. And I think it's the nature of the stakes. You know, comedy is cool. and Comedy is fun. Um, but if, the characters are laughing. It's hard for me to feel like they're in danger because they're having such a good time. Um, in monster movies, you know, if we don't stop this monster, it could kill everything, you know. And there was something about the, the nature of the urgency, uh, whether it was a personal sense of urgency or something that was intimate like The Exorcist or something that's bigger like Dawn of the Dead or, um, you know, something that... Uh, has kind of global implications. As long as you had a story at the center of it that I could emotionally connect myself to, um, you had me. I was caught up. So um, I think it's just the math of the genre that when it's done really, really well, it's something about it that makes me um, the thrill ride sort of has a way of working itself into me. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I've always liked about your writing is that 
it feels like you leave a part of you in it and it kind of has your flair to it. And it's like, hey, it's a little bit of the supernatural mixed with reality, but just enough reality to make it believable and make it interesting to keep you on your toes. And that's what I think I like about Philadelphia so much. The fact that it feels like it could be today's Philadelphia. Yeah, I I mean, I remember pitching it to uh, Jason and a lot of my pitches, you know, they sound like if you just say them out loud, you know, I said to Jason, we went to dinner one night. I said, it's Hamilton meets um, Sanford and Son meets Dracula. And he laughed at first and he was like, I, I got to see this. And, and if you break down the, the log lines to a lot of the stories that I'm doing, they sound utterly preposterous. But it's something about the math of them that I'm able to see it in my head in a way that it makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, I I just, I think, you know, when you work on TV shows, um, you're not working in a uh, singular environment. They're always producers, networks, studio folks. Everybody has a say in what you're doing. You know, even if you're the top guy, there's always somebody there to kind of work with uh, what you're doing. And, but when you're doing comic books, certainly indie comic books, that's the closest thing I think to being creative, um, where it's pure, you know, where it's just you doing a thing. And there's something about that that is idealistic to me. There's something about that that sort of speaks to what I always thought and hoped writing would be when I got here. And so the more I do it, the more I want to do it. In fact, I probably say, yes, if you could see my board right now, books that I'm doing, I'm probably doing too many. But um, there's something about them that it's almost cathartic in a way, you know, and uh, I need that at this stage in my life. Awesome. Final question for you. Mm -hmm. If you can give advice to young writers out there who are trying to get where you're at and get into the game and write, what would you give them? I would say write every day. I would say don't duplicate what other people do. It's great to be inspired by what other people do, but within you there's a voice that is um, worthy and a story that is worthy of being told that only you can tell. And if you don't develop your voice, you won't really be able to tell it. You'll be telling somebody else's version of your story, and that typically doesn't land well. Um, It took me 10 years to figure out what my voice was and to find uh, an avenue in which to be able to tell the type of stories that I really wanted to tell. And so if you could do it without that 10 years, I would suggest that you start now and, and go there. That's awesome. As always, brother, it's awesome having you on the podcast, man. Such a great mind. Well, hopefully you won't waste such a long time. <laughs> hopefully you won't waste such a long time to have me back. Like I said, I was well, what I do, what I do to Delvin. You know, I ain't heard from Delvin. He would like a comment every once in a while on Twitter. But I was like, you know, me and my man Delvin, I don't, I don't know what I did. I, so hopefully I promise it won't you. take another two years. You know? <laughs> you know, I don't know what the ratings I, for this one will be, but hopefully it won't take another two years for you to have me back. I promise you, it won't take nowhere near as long. Right, and also, when this pandemic's over, I got to come out there and holler at you. We're going right. to get, we go get somewhere. I'll take I know a perfect restaurant to take you to. Awesome. 
man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Let them know where to find all your stuff at for those who don't know. Uh, for Twitter and Instagram, it's at the Rodney Barnes. Uh, that's the best place to find me. As everybody who knows me knows, I enjoy interacting with folks and talking about comics and um, talking about things they like and don't like about Philadelphia. And um, those are the best places to find me. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for coming on, brother. I promise you it won't take forever right. to have you back. Right. I hope so. I mean, you you really don't. COVID, you ain't got no excuse. You home, too. And, and it's like, I'm like, what I do to the brother? But all right, we'll see. A clock. Um, let me put the date down. What's the March 1st? All right, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to remember March 1st. All right. All right. Definitely. As always, Devil Cocky Spirit, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like this content, go on patreon.com slash Delvin Cox Experience. There, we have exclusive shows such as I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, and Fire Brigade, and we have tons of other content. Also, I'd like to give a special shout out to our Patreon producers, Tony Aaron II from Mystery Dental Productions, as well as Ben Goodwin, a.k.a. Ghost Rider UK. Thank you. Peace.